Hello. Hello. And welcome to another episode of Tacos and Tequila. I'm Peyton. I'm Sydney. And we have a creepy story for you today. Ooh. I figured it was only fitting for our last October episode to be super creepy. And I think I found just the thing. And it'll be a surprise to everyone, including Sydney. (laughs) Yep. Yep. I can't wait, honestly. I honestly, I'm thinking, like, sitting here thinking about what you had this week on there and I I don't even remember (laughs) so this is definitely a surprise I'm not sure if it's a solved case an unsolved case encrypted (laughs) a ghost I have no idea okay that makes me feel good because I'm coming (laughs) in hot to give us a spooky creepy story today and I'm very excited (laughs) I am too I don't think I have any crazy, like, recent news that I wanted to address. Do you, Sid? No, I think the only thing crazy that I saw this week and I sent this to you was in California (laughs) that a car that they found buried. The landscapers called the police because they were uh, landscaping and they found a car buried, like, three feet underneath, like, in this big... In someone's backyard. Yeah. (laughs) And they were trying to figure out if there was, like, bones in the car because the cadaver dogs, like, were saying that they smelled bones, but I don't think they released if they actually found anything. It was in, like, a very prominent neighborhood or something, too. So. Yeah, Cindy and I were talking about it. We were very curious who the previous homeowners were because the current homeowners just recently, I think, bought the house or within the last five years. Yeah. And the car has definitely been there. I think they said for like 20 years or something like that. They could tell. This is from like early 90s or something, I believe. Yeah. So, I don't know. I didn't see any updates either. Maybe I'll look into it afterwards. <laughs> I think that's going to be one of those things where all we hear about it is that there was just a car that they found. And then we're <laughs> not going to hear anything else about it. Unless something crazy happens and they like discover a body and connect it to someone like really big Big. I think that is exactly why what will happen because even if they find a body like I feel like if they find a body and it's like not a huge case or like something significant that like it's just gonna end there they're gonna be like all right yeah probably which is sad unfortunately (laughs) well I think if that's it then we'll just dive right in real quick and uh I'll tell everyone this story. (laughs) I'm super excited. Sorry. (laughs) Take it away. Okay. So we have covered many haunted places and ghost stories in the last year and a half. However, I figured it would only be fitting to end this October with a place considered to be the most haunted hotel in Arizona. That doesn't seem like much, but the specific sightings and ghostly experiences are actually quite high, with even some famous people having experiences as well. Today, we will take you to the Hotel Monte Monte Vista. According to their website, in the mid-1920s, when tourism was really on the rise out west, local residents in Flagstaff, Arizona, decided it was time to provide some first-class accommodations. There were some hotels or inns available in the city at the time, 
but they were more old and like run down. They didn't really have anywhere nicer to attract tourists or business people to stay. And the locals wanted to provide a nicer experience. And they also wanted to attract wealthy people to visit, stay in their town, and spend their money. In April of 1926, fundraising began. And within just one month, investments were made by wealthy citizens and even donated by an author, Zane Gray, totaling about $200,000. So just like a random fun fact, because I had never heard the name Zane Gray before. Gray was from Ohio and was actually a very famous Western author in the early 1900s. He built a hotel on the Catalina Island off California. It was actually originally his vacation home, but it's still running as a hotel today. So he had like other investments. And like I said, he was this huge like Western writer. So Blackstaff, Arizona at the time (laughs) was pretty like the epitome of the West, right? (laughs) So he was very intrigued by this. On June 8th, 1926, ground was broken for the property and it was officially open for business on New Year's Day, 1927. So this like moved very quickly and very fast. It was originally named the Community Hotel in honor of all the locals who contributed to its creation. So basically it was just like a taxpayer owned building. Like the hotel was taxpayer owned. They contributed funds. It had like multiple people were investors essentially. And it was just this like community owned hotel. However, within like the first couple years, the hotel decided the hotel staff and like the manager who ran it decided it was time for like a rename. And so they ran a contestant or uh, they ran a contest to like see what the best name could be or for like the best name to come up with for the hotel. And a 12 year old actually won. Uh, They picked out the name Monte Vista, which was meaning mountain view. So still to this day is known as Hotel Monte Vista. It is right off. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, kids always win the contest. They always have to come up with the best names. Like, literally. They always win the contest. Just like, like a little 12-year-old. I love that. And I want to know what his prize was. Did he get, like, a one-night stay? Like, <laughs> did he get something? I don't know. It didn't say what the <laughs> contestant won. But, I mean, Dang. something good, hopefully, because this is, like, Almost 100 years later, 90 years later, and it's still being used, so... And the names never changed. Who would have thought? Exactly. He didn't think that. <laughs> so, the hotel is right off Route 66. It's nearby a local railroad stop, which at the time made it a prime location for all sorts of guests, whether it was business or leisure. This hotel was actually the longest publicly held commercial property in all of Arizona until it was sold to a private investor in the early 1960s, which was really interesting. I didn't even know like that was a huge thing, I guess, at least at some point in time where it was like publicly owned or like town owned from all these people. (laughs) You don't really see that or hear that very often. No, I don't, I don't feel like I've ever heard of that. 
if I did, I don't think I understood it. Because okay, I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> it's like employee-owned, where there's like a bunch of people that own it. But like... Yeah, kind that's of. weird. That's weird. That's weird. I don't think. Yeah, I'm, like I don't know it, how they split profits and stuff. Like that's way above my head in the business world. Like I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure how all that works either. But that was just some fun facts for you and everyone about how it started. The hotel has also been a host of historic events, including the launch of only the second woman in the entire world to be granted a radio broadcasting license. Mary Costigan was actually from Detroit and had moved to Flagstaff to help run her brother's family business. She had become a licensed commercial rodeo, rodeo, radio broadcaster and set up a small little station to run her show. And she got her license in just 1927. In 1929, Mary officially moved her show to the hotel, and more than 400 residents from the area showed up for her new broadcast kickoff from there. She actually would run daily three-hour shows out of room 105 in the hotel. That was, like, her office, essentially. (laughs) During Prohibition, the cocktail lounge in the hotel, which is still open, operating, and running to this day, (laughs) uh, had opened up under the guise of, like, a newspaper publishing house. (laughs) According to the hotel's website, rumors state at this time there was a major bootlegging operation in Speakeasy running out of this space. In 1931, the local officers officially put an end to this, and the speakeasy was forced to shut down. From other sources, because a big source I actually got is <laughs> the hotel's own website. I highly recommend, if you're interested in reading more, their page has a lot about, like, history and, like, fun facts, ghostly sightings which we'll get into like I got a lot of my stuff originally from their website first but anyways (laughs) according to other sources it wasn't really on the down low what was going on in this cocktail lounge like a lot of people knew and it just took a while for the officers to be able to like actually shut it down in the meantime after the speakeasy was shut down Rumors also state that this hotel was still operating a brothel and an opium den at the time out of the speakeasy, attracting all sorts of customers. (laughs) However, two years later in 1933, Prohibition would end and the cocktail lounge would officially reopen. Also, Sydney's favorite topic is included in this hotel, (laughs) some of the mystery. If I had to guess, or if you had to guess, Sid, what I'm referring to about one of your favorite topics about places, do you know what I'm referring to? (laughs) Organized crime. Okay, well... Vegas. (laughs) (laughs) It is linked to both of those in some way. (laughs) Um... Underground tunnels exist. Oh, tunnels, tunnels. We love the tunnels. You love the tunnels. So I was like, this, I figured you wouldn't guess because there's so many hotbed topics that you love. (laughs) I mean, realistically, there's like 
five things that I'm really obsessed with. Tunnels would have been on there, but <laughs> I didn't let you get that far. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I, I, I said Abe Lincoln. Come on, tunnels <laughs> are next, obviously. Uh, so there are tunnels that span from Northern Arizona University up through Flagstaff. Uh, there's a lot of rumors about why they exist and what they used to be used for. I'm going to be very honest. I did not include a lot of it because it also seems kind of rooted in a little bit of racism, which is not great um, against like immigrants who helped build like the railroad systems. But (laughs) uh, other businesses also have access to these basement tunnels. Like they are still there. That was my question. Are they still there? They are still there, uh, including the Weatherford Hotel and Babbitt's Backcountry. These tunnels nowadays are just used for storage, piping of the buildings, basically like an extension of basements. I don't think you can go from like place to place anymore. I'm guessing they probably have it closed off somehow. But the larger alcoves of these tunnels have had a lot of suspicious activity through the years. Opium dens, moonshine distilleries, and gambling machine relics have been found in these tunnels previously throughout the decades. So, like, there was definitely some shady shit going on in those tunnels. (laughs) There's always shady shit in the tunnels, but that's the only thing that needs to happen in a tunnel. Yeah, I mean, nothing good is happening in underground tunnels. No, never. This hotel was essentially the epitome of the Wild West at one point. It was hosting lots of drinking, gambling, poker games, and lots of fights throughout the years in this cocktail lounge. Again, this cocktail lounge is still open nowadays. You can still go in and, like, it's open to the public. You don't have to just be, a ho- like, residing in the hotel to go down and visit the cocktail lounge. Uh, which I think is really interesting. I'm going to say it now, even before we get into any of the hauntings, but, like, this is on my list. Like, when I'm in Arizona, I need to stop, and even if it's just, like, have a drink and hang out in this cocktail lounge, like, (laughs) this is a place I will be stopping at. Yeah, that sounds super cool. I also want to stop. Can we go together? (laughs) Yes, and I think if, like, as I keep going, you're going to want to go even more, to be honest. I'm intrigued now. Like, I'm a history person. I love, like, all the old things, spooky things. Tunnels, you really pulled me in. I was like, I gotta go. (laughs) So I don't know what else you're going to add, but I'm intrigued. (laughs) Well, the hotel still to this day running. You can still stay there. More than 70 rooms, three stories high. And there have been quite a bunch of famous people throughout the years that have stayed here, including Bob Hope. Bing Crosby, Michael J. Fox, Harry Truman, Anthony Hopkins, the fucking John Wayne, (laughs) and George Babbitt, who is actually a former governor of Arizona. In fact, this became a favorite hotel spot for a lot of famous actors during, like, the Wild West movie craze of the 50s and 60s. A lot of, like, those Wild West movies were filmed not far in, like, neighboring cities in Arizona. So these actors would always stay at this hotel, which is, like, super interesting. And I'm sure there are a lot of linked stories to that. (laughs) 
even now, although it's not as much of a hotbed destination as like Phoenix or Scottsdale, Arizona, the hotel does still sit just one block off historic Route 66, and it definitely gets its fair share of customers. It is still considered the centerpiece of the downtown Flagstaff area. So now taking us to the hauntings here. (laughs) And there are many reported hauntings or ghostly sightings at the Hotel Monte Vista. Since the building is older, I mean, again, it's been open for almost 90 years now. Uh, Well, actually, 95 years now. (laughs) Since the building has also had quite a history throughout the time and has had lots of varieties of uses, you can assume that there are lots of spirits that haunt the hotel. Some haunt specific rooms, uh, or can be found in certain rooms, I should say. Others roam the halls freely. And fun fact, according to the hotel's website, again, the staff here is always willing to tell tales of their experiences. Like, on their website, they literally encourage you to ask staff members about it and they claim that like the housekeeping staff has some of the best stories which is I love this right (laughs) because I feel like when you have a haunting you need to like play into it like I feel like you can get your money's worth by playing into it and I hate when places are like we're not haunted I'm like you're freaking haunted play into your stories like I want to hear the stories I've even, like, gone places and, like, asked people and they just, like, look at you like, we're not, like, like I don't crazy. know any You're stories. And I'm like, you've heard something. Like, you have something that you could tell me, but you don't want to. It really hurts my feelings. I agree. And that's why I included that because we've talked about it before. And also, I think it's so much more fun. Like, first of all, if this place is really this haunted, obviously staff members have experiences. Like, There's no way you work there, even full-time. That's 40 hours a week, and you don't experience or see something that's fucking weird and fishy. Or heard something. Yeah. There's there's definitely a story that either you experienced firsthand or someone told you, like, of their experience. Like, you have something you could tell, for sure. Exactly. So, I really like that. Like I said, it's on their website. So, when we go, eventually, Sid, we'll have to ask. (laughs) Thousand percent. So, in some of the more specific room stories, I'll kind of dive into. The first one is in room 220. A specific ghostly spirit is said to be found here and known as the Meat Man. Like, M-E-A-T, Meat Man. Uh, Apparently, this used to be a long-term border of the hotel, And he was known to have the strange habit of hanging raw meat from the chandelier in his room. I don't know if he was, like, a butcher or what. Yeah, what? Like, is he draining the blood out of it? I mean, like, the pictures that I saw were, like, it looked like a butcher. (laughs) Like, but obviously they were, like, drawings and stuff like that. But it wasn't, like, anything real. (laughs) But, yeah. Uh, In the early 1980s, the meat man was actually found dead in his room roughly three days after he passed. So he was in that room for three days before he was found. Not long after this man passed, 
A maintenance worker was doing repairs in the room and realized he needed another part. So he left the room, and when he did so, he turned off all the lights and locked the door just in case, you know, he got distracted and didn't come back right away. However, he did come back pretty quickly. And when he returned not long later, the TV was on at full volume. The bedding had been ripped off the bed and it had kind of been scattered across the room. And ever since this experience with the maintenance worker, those are things that happen in the room quite often. Even though, like I said, the housekeeping staff also agrees. (laughs) So they assume it's the meat man border. In room 305, uh, this is actually considered to be the most active room in the hotel. It's also apparently the most popular room among guests who seek a paranormal experience. And this has, according to the website, been featured on many shows. But there are many reports of seeing a woman in a rocking chair near the window in this room. Guests and staff have also reported seeing the chair move on its own, like the rocking chair just rocking back and forth, as well as hearing knocking coming from the inside of the closet. According to hotel records, an elderly woman who was another long-term resident at the hotel was in this room for quite a while, and she actually enjoyed sitting in that window, rocking for hours at a time, like staring out the window. It's believed she resumed her rocking in her favorite spot after she passed. I could not confirm nor deny if she passed in the hotel. So I don't know that, but I know she was an elderly woman who lived there for a while. So that was room 305. Room 306 is another active room. And just like a fun fact, because we always talk about how we found cases, I was, like, looking up, like, super spooky haunted places, and the story of this room is what sealed the deal that I covered this case. So, oh, yes. (laughs) So, this is, like, what got me. Many years ago, what is known as, like, the red light district could be found actually not far from the hotel. So, again, you know, Wild West, railroad station, right there, people coming in and out, (laughs) lots of famous people coming in and out. So the red light district was actually only two blocks away from the hotel during the 40s and 50s, which meant many people visited the hotel for like, let's say, more short term visits, right? (laughs) Like the hotel had many uses, like I said, in the 30s, it was at one point like a brothel, they're pretty sure. So Early 1940s, two women who worked as prostitutes were picked up by a man and brought back to the hotel, specifically room 306. During their visit at this time, these two women were killed and actually thrown from the third floor window of the room down to the street below. Uh, I could not figure out anything about what happened to the man. (laughs) I'm guessing he didn't get away with it, but who knows? What's fucking wild to me is throughout the years, many guests who have stayed in this room have reported waking up in the middle of the night and being unable to fall back asleep due to the feeling of being watched. Not only that, but many male guests also report the feeling of hands being placed over their mouths 
or around their throats. <laughs> so a lot of male guests have woken up to the feeling of not being able to breathe, being choked, or being suffocated. And quite often they ask to move rooms. <laughs> Dang. Yeah, so the my guess is <laughs> the spirit of these two women are like, fuck these guys. Probably exactly that. Yeah, that was the one that, like, sealed the deal for me. I was like, oh, this is wild. Like, there are lots of reports of, like, male guests being like, please get me out of this room. That's crazy. I think, to the most for the most part, they try to avoid putting male guests in that room at this point. I would think, too. I mean, I feel like a lot of those, like, haunted hotels or whatever, like, if they have specific rooms that are haunted, like... The people that are super into ghosts are wanting to request those rooms. And then I feel like regular guests, they would just give, you know, whatever right. else is available. Because there probably is a high, you know, amount of people that are like, no, I do want to stay in a haunted room. Like, please give me that room. Well, I'm sure that's why a lot of people come to, like, stay there. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sure. There's probably some people, though, that just, like, end up there and are like, oh, Well, I like, think we stayed at the Fister because it was haunted. <laughs> A lot of people stay there, though, and not because it's haunted. That's true, but, like, I'm guessing there are weirdos like us. <laughs> oh, there are a thousand percent. A thousand percent. There have been many guests who have also reported a knocking at their door and a muffled voice saying room service, but when they open the door, no one's there. Specifically, Room 210 has had reports of this bellboy, like, standing there, like a phantom bellboy. <laughs> Actually, one specific guest, a pretty famous one at that, uh, recounted several run-ins with this phantom bellboy. John Wayne (laughs) first recounted a ghostly run-in in the 50s with the phantom bellboy. So, like, the John Wayne (laughs) saw ghosts at this hotel. I think I like when, uh, like, famous people see ghosts. I think it's just a little bit more that this happens to everyone. Same. I like it even more that it's like the John Wayne. <laughs> like that yeah, that's a good one for you're sure. You're like the badass actor of the Wild West. <laughs> and you're like, oh yeah, I definitely saw a ghost here. Not only that, but like he said he had multiple run-ins, like not just the one time. Like there were a couple instances where he stayed there frequently that he ran into this like phantom bellboy. He actually said that the phantom, like bellboy was very friendly and he never felt threatened which is why he kept coming back so thought that was wild (laughs) that's crazy right (laughs) according to the housekeepers they also have frequent run-ins with the phantom bellboy as they all call him including seeing a young man in the old-fashioned attire like red coat brass buttons walking up and down the hallways but obviously he's not a guest or an employee his wardrobe is very outdated (laughs) primarily reported by maintenance and the laundry staff there are also many reports of a baby crying in the basement now this is one of like the sinister aspects because For the most part, like, I think most of the ghosts have been pretty friendly or non-threatening. Obviously, the women in room 306 aren't the greatest specifically towards male guests. But this was, like, described as, like, the more sinister (laughs) 
uh, thing going on in the hotel was this baby crying. In fact, many staff members have reported running back upstairs to, like, escape the cries that won't stop. They seem very real. The source can never be found. And there's literally no explanation or, like, story or history of why this would be happening. Like, they don't know any story of, like, a baby left in the laundry room or a baby dying. Like, they have no idea why it's happening. (laughs) It's the tunnels. It's always the tunnels. It has to be something to the tunnels, I swear. Because the other creepy part is (laughs) there's also, like, a shadow man in the basement. Uh, who has, like, quite an ominous present, is, like, (laughs) I saw, like, will just appear behind staff workers and is, like, over six feet tall. First of all, any shadow man, shape, form, whatever, is always, like, creepy and ominous. If you've ever heard, like, ghost stories about that, like, they're always creepy and, like, have, like, a terrifying feeling associated with it. But not only that, but the shadow man also shows up (laughs) for delivery drivers (laughs) and so delivery drivers don't have the best experience with him either (laughs) that's that's crazy i'm here to get your delivery like literally (laughs) uh in the cocktail lounge staff and guests have seen like a more transparent couple dancing around they're always seen in formal dress And they're always laughing and smiling. So, again, this is, like, another ghostly interaction, phantom interaction that's not harmful in any way. It's just, like, something that they see sometimes. (laughs) And then the other big one is in 1970, three men robbed a nearby bank. (laughs) During the robbery, one of the men was shot by a bank guard, but despite this, they escaped and decided to hide in the cocktail lounge, uh, ideally with a drink to celebrate their escape. The one robber who was shot supposedly bled to death in the lounge, not even ever taking a sip of his last drink that they ordered him. But since then, both patrons and staff have reported being greeted by, like, a booming voice saying good morning, but it's, like, coming from nowhere. (laughs) And there have also been lots of reports of bar stools and drinks moving on their own. Obviously, just like any other haunted place or ghost story we tell, there obviously are, like, disembodied voices, furniture moving around, phantom steps in the halls. There's, like, one ghostly little boy that's sometimes heard roaming the halls. Uh, sometimes it sounds like he's speaking or laughing, potentially like overheard conversations sound like he's talking to his mother almost in the halls, but like no one's there. And oftentimes it's more like geared towards playing with the children in the hotel. So again, not a lot of like horrifying, spooky interactions, unless you're in the basement for the most part, or a man in room 306. (laughs) Uh, Just my last bit of information here is obviously I have some fun facts for us, which includes, one, (laughs) this hotel is listed on the U.S. Register of Historic Places, of course, (laughs) which makes me really happy because if anything were to happen to this building, obviously it would be saved because of that status. So thank God for that (laughs) because these 
ghostly creatures and figures and phantoms all will have a place to stay for all of eternity, apparently. Otherwise, if they knocked it down, well, I mean, they're not going to knock it down. But otherwise, that's one of those cases where then you piss off the ghosts and they, like, really, you get some bad things happening in your house. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) Uh, this epi- this place was for sure featured on a 2019 episode of the Travel Channel's Most Terrifying Places. I have not watched this episode, but I will be because... I love that show. <laughs> so uh, I feel like I need to go find that episode. Yeah, I want to find the episode too because I think it would be really cool to watch. Especially just like hearing it and like how at least their website presents it is it sounds like a lot more light-hearted despite all the spooky spooky encounters (laughs) yeah and that show in general like has a really good way of like presenting like these different historical buildings like and then explaining like the ghost the ghost stories with them like I feel like that's one of my favorite shows when it comes to ghost ghostly encounters I think I watched an episode of it recently for something and I was like wow I actually really like this show (laughs) Yeah, that's where I heard about, like, the Whitney and stuff. Like, they have a lot of good stuff on there. Yeah, I will be looking into it more. (laughs) Uh, And my last fun fact is the hotel was actually one of the filming locations of the 1942 movie Casablanca. (laughs) One of the scenes in the movie was filmed in the hotel. That's interesting. Yeah. Who would have thought? Well, I guess we have to plan a trip now. But yeah, so that is my story of my creepy, ghostly case to end October. Ooh. We should I, plan a trip. I want to plan a trip. I, Again, it's creepy. There's a lot of ghostly sightings, but I feel like it was more fun. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's not as, like... I mean, besides, like, the the tunnels, like, there wasn't, it's, like, the sinister ghost stories. They all seem, like, somewhat friendly. Minus the two girls, if you're a male. I agree. (laughs) I absolutely agree. That one seems more creepy. That's, again, why I picked the case when I read that. I was like, oh, that could be terrifying. But once I did more research, I'm like, well, a lot of these hauntings and, and sightings don't seem creepy. So. No, no, just like two people dancing around at the lounge, minding their business, laughing, having a good time. You got a guy just yelling good morning to you, minding <laughs> his business. Like this is the ki- these are the kind of ghostly encounters that I would like to have. Yeah, like based off of this, I would 100% stay here and not be completely terrified because I feel like I wouldn't feel threatened, which yeah. is like what scares me the most about ghostly sightings is like well you don't know anyone's intentions when you are like running into a spirit but yeah that one didn't seem too bad to me (laughs) nope i don't think so well there you have it folks happy spooky season this episode comes out it's the last tuesday before halloween so also happy halloween (laughs) happy halloween And if you're in the Flagstaff, Arizona area, I'm very curious, like, what, I bet this hotel goes all out and the cocktail lounge goes all out for Halloween. So if you know, let us know, because I would love to visit on Halloween. (laughs) Yes.
that would be a cool place to go on Halloween for sure. So now that I'm done with that episode, <laughs> you're like telling this story. You got some uh, facts and jokes for us? I do. Yay. Okay, hit me with the fact first. In 1991, McDonald's attempted to introduce chicken fajitas into their market, but it didn't last. Really? Yes. This reminded me of um, like when McDonald's had pizzas. Have we oh, talked about yeah, that on here? Yeah, I think you've told me that one. Because there's still like one McDonald's like in the States where you can go get the pizza in like West Virginia or something. And I really want to like drive there and get the fucking pizza just to try it. That's like super interesting. I would try their pizza. I don't know if I would have tried their fajitas. But I'm also weird about, do you say if it was chicken or beef or what? Chicken. Chicken That's fajitas. what I thought. I feel like I'm weird about McDonald's chicken, so. I'm weird about chicken, like, anywhere. Like, I, I'm, I feel like I always have to, like, if I'm not the one that's actually cooking it, or, like, if I'm not watching someone cook it, I'm very weird about it. Yeah. So, I agree with that. Makes sense. Okay. Yeah, I can see why it wouldn't last. I also feel like McDonald's is one of those places that, like, if you think about any food item, they've tried something. Like, they always try everything at some point, it seems like. Yeah. I mean, I guess they're willing to try anything once, at least. (laughs) Which, I mean, do what you gotta do to be a profitable business. Some people like it, some people hate it. (laughs) Okay, hit me with your joke. What's larger than a pico de gallo? What? A kilo de gallo. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) I thought thought you wouldn't think that you wouldn't like that one. You would think it was too cheesy, but it did make me giggle because I was like, that's clever. It is clever. (laughs) You got a spooky joke? I do. Ooh. Okay, (laughs) let's see if I can give good delivery, (laughs) since that's where I fail everywhere. (laughs) I think it'll be fine. Why do demons and ghouls hang out together? Why? Because demons are a ghoul's best friend. (laughs) Oh! I thought it was so cute. <laughs> I like that. That's good. That's good. Okay, good. Like I said, I usually suck at the delivery, so. <laughs> no, I think that was a good one. Success. Awesome. <laughs> that was a good one. Well, folks, we hope you had a spooky season. You can check us out on social media. Facebook is Tacos and Tequila Podcast. Instagram is just Tacos and Tequila. We also have a website, tacosandtequilapodcast.com, which by the time this episode airs, will be up to date again. <laughs> I've been a little behind in the last couple episodes, so bear with me. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, make sure you leave a rating and or review. It helps us get noticed. It's really cool to see what you guys like. And we just like to see those numbers go up. Absolutely. And also, even if you don't do it for like making us feel good, <laughs> um, 
like you it's said, cool. yeah, and it helps us get noticed. So it helps other people find podcasts like us and gets us out there to potentially more people who might be interested in what we said on here, which is cool. Yes, all of the above. <laughs> and I think that's it, right? Anything else to add, Sid? I don't think so. Awesome. Well, we hope all of you have a very safe and happy Halloween. And we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.